This is not your century. This is Not Your Century, where we celebrate the news and the news media of centuries gone by. I'm King Kaufman. A global pandemic is starting to make itself felt, but the U.S. government is hoping to minimize political damage and prevent panic, so it downplays the seriousness of the disease. March 11, 1918. Private Albert Gitchell is a cook at Camp Funston, Fort Riley, Kansas. That's the Army's largest training center, teeming with 50,000 soldiers in close quarters. They're training to be sent to Europe, where World War I is raging. Private Gitchell wakes up in a sweat with a fever and a sore throat. He's too sick to make breakfast, so he reports to the infirmary. The doctor puts him to bed. He doesn't make breakfast and he doesn't make lunch. By midday, there are more than 100 men in the infirmary with similar symptoms. By the end of the week, more than 500. No one knows exactly where the influenza pandemic of 1918 started. It may have been an army base in Kansas. Maybe it was China. There were outbreaks popping up all over the world. It's not clear which was the first. But wherever it began, what came to be known as the Spanish flu of 1918 infected almost a third of the world's population. In six months, it killed about 675,000 people just in the United States. By way of comparison, that's about how many people have died of AIDS in 40 years. The 1918 flu epidemic was devastating to a degree that's almost unimaginable. The worldwide death toll may have topped 40 million. That would be about twice the number of dead from World War I, which ended about the same time as the pandemic, and which was by far the deadliest war in world history to that point. There was a lot about the 1918 flu pandemic that was unusual. For one thing, it began just as flu season normally ends, in March. For another, the name Spanish flu was a misnomer. Countries engaged in the Great War, including the United States, shut down news reports about the flu. They were worried about morale, and they didn't want the enemy to know about any weakness. Spain was neutral, so it didn't have those wartime restrictions on information. That meant that if you heard about influenza in 1918, there was a good chance you were hearing news from Spain. Heck, even the king got it, Alfonso XIII, and so did some of his top advisors. The distorted coverage made it seem like Spain was hit particularly hard, even though it wasn't. In Spain, meanwhile, they called it the French flu. Another thing that was unusual was how deadly the flu was. Flu usually has a death rate of about a tenth of a percent, but the Spanish flu killed off about 2% of those who became infected. That's a 20 times higher mortality rate. And where the flu usually kills the very young, the very old, and the already sick, this flu killed young, healthy adults. There were a couple of possible reasons for that. One was that the disease caused an overreaction of the immune system. The healthiest, strongest people had the strongest immune systems, so when those went haywire, they did so with deadly force. Another problem, in 1918, to an unusual degree, young, strong people were packed together in close quarters, in filthy conditions, in army bases, and especially in trenches. They were also suffering from malnutrition and stress that taxed their immune systems even more. Flu strains evolve quickly. 
What generally happens in a flu season is that the people with stronger strains stay home because they're sicker. People who have milder versions tend to go about their business. Maybe you have the sniffles or you don't feel great, but it's not too bad, so you still go to work or school. So with the stronger strains isolated and the weaker strains out in the community contaminating new people, the weaker strains proliferate. In 1918, this process was reversed among the hundreds of thousands of soldiers on the battlefields of Europe. Those who only had a touch of the flu were told to hunker down where they were, in the trenches. The ones who had it bad were loaded onto trains and sent to hospital, spreading the more powerful strains. In September, a second wave of the flu was even more deadly than the first. It was particularly bad in Philadelphia, where government officials ignored warnings from health experts and went ahead with a liberty parade to raise funds for the war. Philly became an epicenter of the flu in the days after. There was yet another wave in November after the armistice. Victory celebrations and parades brought huge crowds out just at the start of the usual flu season. As the coronavirus began to spread last month and the Trump administration downplayed the seriousness of the disease, the Washington Post sought out John M. Barry, author of the definitive book about the 1918 pandemic, The Great Influenza. He said official dishonesty and reticence about the seriousness of the 1918 flu made the pandemic worse. He said that kind of approach is the exact wrong thing to do. An earlier version of this episode contained an error. The figure of 675,000 deaths from AIDS refers to the United States. I'm King Kaufman, and this has been Not Your Century, a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Get great journalism today and support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com pod. We now return you to your century.